Welcome to Speed City F1. What a fantastic race here in Austin. We're live at Circuit of the Americas in the broadcast booth watching the crowd track invasion right now. Max Verstappen winning a very tight race over Lewis Hamilton by just 2.2 seconds. Wow, this was this was a fantastic race. And considering how easy max verstappen had it in the sprint race all weekend all year who would have thought that we would have such a fantastic battle we had two great battles we had battles between max and lando norris we had another fantastic battle between max and lewis hamilton this is john massingale i'm in the booth here at coda i'm with bob varsa jonathan green and dave o'neill i'm going to start with you bob that was uh that was quite a, an exciting race it was it absolutely was and it uh you know, we, we saw really great teams, the ones that always seem to come to the top of the pile, Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, McLaren, using all of the tools at their disposal, the DRS, teamwork on track, the pit stops, everything, the tire strategy especially. Uh, you know, they threw everything they had at this, and uh, it was great fun to watch. It really was. Dave, what would you think? Uh, I'm still trying to digest it all. It was, <laughs> it was uh, there was so, there's some brain power used there for sure, and computing power as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean the the change of strategy in between the race as well, I think was pretty cool to watch. Um, you know, whether Max had a brake problem or not, I don't know. He was definitely rattled about something. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was not happy. He wasn't, and. Well, um, I don't know how he couldn't. I mean, he, he's been so dominant, and he only won by two seconds. Yeah, and if you look at the fastest lap, you know, uh, during before the the, the second round of pit stops, um, he wasn't doing anything special on the times. And again, um, towards the end, as Hamilton was chasing him down, mm -hmm. Hamilton had the better of him on the times. You know, they made a good call uh, with that medium medium tyre uh, for the second part of the race. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. And then, of course, the other bit which was disappointing, I guess, for all of us is we, we were hoping that Lando was going to have his day today, um, but he just didn't have the tyres. The tyres didn't hold him up all day, so he had to settle for third place. Well, I don't know which was my favorite line of the broadcast, of the race broadcast, between you, Bob, when Bob said, I wonder if Max is still having fun. <laughs> because, as you recall, he was yeah. he was saying, it's going to be fun tomorrow because I'm, I'm starting in six. I'll have to actually have to race. Well, I think it was a little closer than too close for comfort. Or, or, or yours, Jonathan, when you said... When, when Hamilton was chasing down Max, she said, Norris could win this thing. In other words, <laughs> right, yeah. Max and Lewis come if together. They wind up piled on top of each well, other. And that's what Leclerc was saying on the radio, which was like, hey, should we try plan C? And he's like, dude, uh, this could all fall apart and fall into my hands here. Don't bring yeah. me in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I really think they were thinking of bringing Charles Leclerc in for a set of reds. But I, he was right. He said, look, it's too late. The time it would take me to pit, 20 seconds and change, and then get those tires up to tip there just weren't enough laps left for him to accomplish much but i am you know once again endlessly impressed lewis great job there's a reason mm -hmm. he's a seven-time world champion 103 victories and 104 poles and on and on and on but watching those last couple of laps and the way verstappen handled himself on the racetrack first not using drs to pass the car ahead of yeah. him to yes keep, you know and then the next time around uh, coming up behind the alpha of Zhou Guanyu and using DRS to reopen the gap and put 
the alpha between himself and the uh, the pursuing Mercedes. Uh, you know, it's it's just brilliant racecraft. We've been talking about it all weekend. Yeah, yeah, we've been talking about that. And the way he could park up, he was genuinely annoyed by the radio transmissions he was getting. That's fair enough. And okay, maybe it's a little bit of a bravado and it's just heat of the moment. But he was genuinely not happy. But the way he could compartmentalize to also be cool enough to be thinking on those lines of, okay, I don't want to do that. And, you know, and, and that I think is, the, is, is, is true genius. I was going to say, that is not normal human brain activity because you normally get clouded by those emotions and can't think you know, logically and strategically when that's happening. I was curious as to why Verstappen kept telling the team not to speak to him breaking. when breaking. And uh, uh, Dave, you might be able to shed some light on this. Was it just because he was concentrating so hard? I'm thinking we always hear drivers say that the, the, the beauty of Formula One cars is not the way they go, but the way they stop. And maybe he was just thinking, if I'm going to try to talk to you while I'm breaking, you know, negative 5Gs, I'm not going to be able to get a word out. Well, you, you make a very good point there, Bob, is that, you know, maybe he was on the limit and he was concentrating that much to stop the front locking. You yep. know, so there, mm -hmm. there's, you know, he's great. He's brilliant. He's won three world championships, mm -hmm. but also he has to concentrate. It's not a walk in the park. Yeah. And I think that's that's probably what was happening. He had... Uh, ultimate concentration on the brakes well if you remember before the sprint race we were saying that for the first time ever he was being pushed harder than he has been pushed by both mclaren and mercedes and to a certain extent ferrari so that was a factor but also i think physically there is a a certain part of the bumpiness of this track and under braking that physically if you are then given a message right there and then as you go into braking the car is literally bumping up and down right. your helmet's bumping up and down and you're trying to take in information while exactly what you said trying to not lock up the brakes. So I, I kind of get it. Yeah, and you see when Verstappen got out of the car, he went over to his drinks bottle and yeah. just started sucking on that thing and kept sucking on it. Uh, it was it was a long day's work. They earned their money today. Yeah, we've seen the best out of Formula One in uh, in that microcosm of, of that well, race there. W when's the last time we saw a race that we, both, that we thought at two different points, yeah. I wrote down, can Lando win this and then can Lewis Hamilton win this? Yeah. It's been a long time since we can say that. Yeah, no, it's, it, it was really a cracking... You know, we, uh, Formula One's often maligned for not having as much drama, perhaps, as other motorsports. But once you get uh, the insight from a, an ex-team manager and, and also from, from Chris, who's with it every week, uh, and obviously, you know, Bob, having seen as many races as he has, you really do get a sense uh, of, cre you know, creating stories that you may not even be aware of at times. But that's what was happening today because there were six or seven different stories happening at the same time. All right. Hey, we've, we've relished in this fantastic race at the front. So I want to look at where Logan Sargent finished this race, yep. guys. We that That's incredible, isn't it, Jonathan? Well, I said, if you remember in the pre-show, that he's got to stay close to Albon. Yep. He wasn't in time, but it, in overall, Williams have got to look at that. James Fowles has got to say, well, you know, he equipped himself well. It wasn't a good start to the weekend. In fact, it was an awful start to the weekend, and it could all have gone and unraveled for any weaker-headed. We've been talking about the, you know, the muscle that is the brain, and it is the most important part for any racing driver. Uh, and he held his together this weekend, and if he can keep doing that from Mexico to Brazil and on to Abu Dhabi, probably the one of the one circuits that he will be confident at. We'll see. 1.2 seconds behind his teammate. Good. And finishing 12th. I mean, that, that uh, I know he started 16th, but he actually dropped down from there, too. So, Dave, what uh, would you think? 
<laughs> I mean, you know, would, would you? How would you judge it? You know the situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it's probably not enough, but go ahead, Dave. Well, I think he had a solid race. There you go. You know, he had a there solid race. Um, he was, you know, the result, the re results a little bit, you know, skewed, I guess. Um, but he's still 12. Yeah. You right. know, yep. The long yep. and short of it. So um, he did. He did a good job. He stayed on. Um, and he got another race under his belt, which makes a huge difference. Right. Look at Hamilton. On the, we're watching pictures of Hamilton in the pre-podium and sat uh, completely splay-legged. <laughs> splay -legged right. What are they? What, what's this room called? The relaxing room or the uh, well, The green room. Chillax. <laughs> I thought it was called the listen in. Let's see what they say to embarrass themselves. Room. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it's like that, after uh, the result for uh, Albon, and so that includes Albon's time penalties, I assume. I think so. Had, Let's like, double check that worth of time sure. penalties for. We we could also look at Perez. You know, he's still 0.7 um, of a second off his teammate, fastest lap. You know, um, of the of the race. So the the delta is still the same time-wise. You know, yeah. from from Max to Perez. Um, but better performance by Perez over the weekend. Something he can take yes. to Mexico. Yeah, solid. Yeah. Solid performance. He got some good overtakes done as well. It's always well. nice when you get your own picture taken by a Spice Girl, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we're talking about Christian Horner getting his picture taken no, by... No, I think she was taking a picture of the mechanic, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. They've got a mechanic that's well, leaving, so maybe that was why. They, they were literally just... They, they look like they're at a party. They're just <laughs> smiling and laughing and relaxed. There's no stress at all. I guess well, even I winning about by it, a, a it, tight it, margin. In Miami, the... Uh, Team principals are now the rock stars. Everybody wants a shot of a team principal. I want to get a Toto. Uh, Toto. I want to get a Christian. I want to get a, you know, Gunter. I want to get a Zach. You know, you wonder what Yoss must be thinking. I mean, his race days are well over, but uh, <laughs> Kaching. Yeah. Well, no. I, I just think no. I think it's also just sheer. I mean, when it, when this boy came to life, as it were, he kind of probably said right there and then, I'm going to make this, you know, if yeah. this guy wants to race, and I don't know yet, as he's popped out whether he does, but if he shows signs of going karting, I'm going to give him yep. everything I've got, and that's what Yoss has done. Yep, credit him. We also have to talk about 10th uh, tenth, 10th place finisher, Sonoda, you know, they came in, they gambled, they put a set of softs on, um, might not have gone well, but they got the extra point, you know, uh, which is really important to them. Two points, 10th, and uh, fastest lap. Well, they've even got the fastest wheels in the West, as Greg Abbott, also on the podium. Yeah, and what about Sonoda playing a part in the finish of this race right there at the end? And I don't think he had anything, you know, I don't think he was trying to help Verstappen or hurt Hamilton. It just happened to be where he was, and Hamilton got DRS, and I mean, uh, Verstappen got DRS, and Hamilton didn't. That was a big part of this race. Huge part, yeah. Did we pick the podium before we ended our pre-race show? We did not, Bob. And I, and I, but you said it, and I think yeah. you picked this, didn't you? Yeah, I said those three in that order. So yeah, pay up. <laughs> <laughs> See, because we didn't officially do it, right. then, then you don't get it. Never happens. It's not written <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah, right. Wave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is great. Good moments. Uh, just running down the list here. So, Carlos Sainz in fourth. I mean, you solid race for sure. Yeah, there's some uh, explaining to do in the Ferrari garage. Yeah. Charles Leclerc that really needs a talking to i think and fred basur just might be the guy to do it because, well both ways uh, yeah 
I, I, I just, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I hear your point, which mm-hmm. is, uh, I, it's funny because I'm, I'm trying to juxtapose with what you were saying in the race because you were right, um, which is, hey, he's leading in the championship back off but I also think that Leclerc throughout this season mm-hmm. has been just not at all you know has been at odds with every decision they've given him going what are you doing that's the me? larger problem yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but I agree with you it's similar uh, to last year with science yeah you know when he was getting the the wrong rubber to green <laughs> but whether you like it or not and I said this to Bob in the in the commentary you know Leclerc probably quite rightly believes he is the team leader of the two Ferraris. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this new management, Vassar is a, a very uh, level-headed guy. All he wants is Ferrari to go forward. That's his mission. Right. It's not Leclerc's. And uh, he wants to, you know, he wants to have the team, just as Hamilton does, on his side. And he wants to have the advantage at all times. Mm-hmm. This environment is way too cutthroat not to oh. approach it that way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You take no prisoners in Formula One. Yeah, we said he was petulant, but, you know, he's t- to a certain extent, yeah. You know. Well, it, he was irritated. Verstappen <laughs> was irritated. Yep. There were a lot of irritated drivers out there today. And again, the car compartmentalization. Uh, as soon as he got out of the car, cool, calm, collected. Nice race. Good mm-hmm. fun. Well done, everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, good you know, good, good 50th, you know. Uh, yep. Good finish by uh, Pierre Gasly in the Alpine. Been a good weekend, actually, for Pierre. Yeah, and uh, I never did. Do we hear what happened to Ocon's car? No. It looked like he took a bashing in the left side pod. Yeah. And Dave suggested, you know, they may have he may have snapped okay. a line or, or broken yeah. a radiator or. Yeah, because both cars were looking quick this weekend, and I thought, you know, they might have had a, a good pace, a double yeah. points yeah. finished maybe, but. I think um, Carlos Sainz maximized his weekend, you know, with the the gamble yesterday and the sprint race with the soft tires, mm-hmm. you know, and then today coming in fourth. Yeah, that's a lot of good work. So much to talk about. We're watching pictures, obviously, of the podium yeah, being right. held up live. Bobby Epstein can be very proud of another great weekend at the Circuit of the Americas. I felt for him during COVID. I had my COVID first injection here at the circuit. He turned it into a hospital, which was magnificent, to be honest. Got a free COVID shot, got, got it done. Um, we put 10,000 a day through here. But when I left the circuit, I thought and felt for his whole team that could this now be the ending of it because of pandemic that uh, would would put them out of business, let's face it. And a lot of businesses yeah. have gone. Uh, and to, to be running a race circuit where you need people to give you the money that you need to sustain it, um, hats off to Bobby. Hmm. Uh, what do you think about the Haas weekend, Dave? I mean, I know when you, like we talked about, I think maybe as early as Thursday, a big upgrade like this comes with a lot of experimentation, right? And, and uh, you know, they didn't finish really higher than they have been in the last few races, but they've got all this new kit on there. You know, th- could this be a foundation for the next few races to, to move forward? I think they'll certainly learn something. You know, they, they left from the pit lane, as we saw. Um, they changed the rear wing, so they put the old-style rear, rear wing back on. Um, mainly a data-gathering exercise, but... There's nothing, there's nothing to shout about there. You know, they have to go back and there has to, there has to be a, a, a proper regroup and find out what's going on. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Bob Varsha, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. 
We are live at Circuit of the Americas after watching the United States Grand Prix. The confetti, the red, white, and blue confetti is blowing past our window right in front of the main grandstand out our broadcast booth window, and we watched Max Verstappen win, but by only two seconds over Lewis Hamilton, followed closely by Lando Norris. It was a fantastic race. This is John Massengill. I'm joined by Jonathan Green, Bob Varsha, and Dave O'Neill, and we'll have Chris Medlin joining us as well. Bobby, I see you climbed up looking out the window there. Well, yeah, there's tens of thousands of people jamming the front straightaway to get a look at the top finishers on the podium. But I'm also watching that confetti. You know, we talked a number of times during the broadcast about the wind changing speed and direction. Right now, it's whipping this confetti around. Yeah, we saw some cars that looked like that could have been what was happening a little bit out there yeah. today. You know, it was funny. Uh, we saw the change in wind from what was it, something like 1.3, and at the highest uh, over six. And, I, and you kind of almost corrected me because I was thinking miles per hour, but of course it wasn't. It's kilometers. Yeah. And that makes a big difference. Yeah, 2.2, Dave, is that right? 2.2. Yeah, 2.2 kilometers. So, you know, pushing 20 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know. And it was affecting them. You heard it. Oh, yeah. Well, we talk about, you know, grams affecting the weight of an F1 car. What about a 20-mile-an-hour wind? You know that's a big deal to a Or F1 even the car. paint on the back of a, of a wing, maybe, even. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's what you're looking at. looks what you're dealing with. Yeah. And uh, like I said, Chris is Chris Medlin's with us. He is out in the melee out there or maybe in the paddock by now. I'm not sure, but he's going to be trying to join us here in a minute. He's at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now he's going to get us some interviews and uh, and send them in. Oh, there's some some folks up there waving the checkered flag. I saw maybe they're letting people wave the checkered flag. Yeah, I There's the Ferrari flag flowing in the wind over there, too. As a bit of a pessimist, I'm always a bit wary about the, uh, yeah, the, crowd. the, the crowd invasion. We had it at Monza for many years, and uh, we're having it here, and we always have had it here. But it's always a bit precarious, but I'm glad to see there's quite a few uh, security. Well-behaved yeah. people here? Yeah, well, yes. you know, everybody wants a souvenir, don't they? Right. <laughs> And the way the fandom has been all weekend. I mean, we left, what, 7.30 in the dark last night, and there were hundreds of people waiting for an oh, autograph yeah. or just a glimpse of a driver leaving the track. Mm -hmm. Just give him a wave. Well, let me just run down the winning order. It's Max Verstappen followed by Lewis Hamilton, Lando Norris, Carlos Sainz, Sergio Perez, Charles Leclerc down in six, George Russell, Pierre Gasly, Lance Stroll, Yuki Tsunoda in the final points position. Also had the fastest lap today right there at the end. Alexander Albon, American Logan Sargent finishing 12th. Nico Hulkenberg in the Haas finishing 13th, followed by Valtteri Botas, Joe Guanyu, Kevin Magnussen, Daniel Ricciardo, and the cars that did not finish, Fernando Alonso, Oscar Piastri, and Esteban Ocon. And Alonso, uh, what was his... He said um, that he had suspension failure, which was interesting because the team came back and said, we're not seeing him. So uh, and Alonso doesn't sort of just say something out of the heck of it. Yeah. Um, so there was something wrong with that Aston Martin, and they retired it, obviously. Um, I don't know. You, you probably heard the radio, too. But, uh, I, I, you know, it was a strange one. But um, for a while, he looked competitive. But 49 laps in. He has been known to park it. Uh, yeah. He has not been known to park it. But... They did that's when he's in the GP2 Honda, though. Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> it, they did have some mechanical changes before the race, you know, so, I don't yeah. know, just guessing. Could have been something that failed from that. 
Well, Aston Martin have certainly done the favour that they wanted to. And let's face it, Alonso said this is really a testing session. They went out on two different uh, setups of cars, but kept the setup overall the same so that they could compare the upgrades. And that's maybe something that will help them next week. Yeah. Uh, suspension damage, we hear, is what eventually put Alonso in the garage. And, uh, you know, sometimes even the negatives can, can give you some direction for positives in the season to come. great atmosphere here we're yeah. watching the window uh, we're right down uh eye level view looking out over turn 20 and the podium it's um, fascinating it's a fascinating view yeah. uh, I, I wish you could all see it because uh, uh it really is fascinating to see this uh, growth of humanity falling onto the track at the end of the race just as they do at monza and it's a, a great spectacle and just to give you a bit of insight is that you know while everyone's celebrating out there yeah. heading down down back into town the teams now start to uh, dismantle the garages right. and the cars in fact come apart so the only thing that will be left in one bit is the chassis they'll change all the fuel filters in the sh in the fuel tank the engines come off the gearboxes come off all the suspension comes off and then the car will go to the next race which is mexico and they'll build it up back on on the tuesday and the wednesday no no fear for ferrari this weekend of the problems they had at uh, secure uh, at uh, qatar with the fueling no, I, I think there was a worry. Yeah. You know, because mm. there, there wasn't the time to uh, to make the change, but I'm sure that will probably come uh, for Mexico. Now, Dave, this is the first, and I believe only, triple header USA, Mexico City, Sao Paulo, Brazil. The cars will be broken down, and they'll go into the belly of the airplane. Will they take apart the garage, or will the Will there be another set garage setup in Mexico right now for them to move right into? So they have what they call um, traveling sea freight sets. Uh -huh. So um, when you're in Europe, you take the trucks. Right. You know, everything. So you have one set for the eight races in Europe. Mm -hmm. But for the flyaways, you have an American or America's set. And these garages that you see here on the TV today, they'll be taken down and this this set will go on to Vegas mm -hmm. um, but there's someone in Mexico currently setting up which was a week ago so right. literally um, last Sunday they started setting up in Mexico so that sea freight set will go there all the garage boarding will go up mm -hmm. uh, all the catering unit will be um, put together so they, uh, they can have food as soon as they arrive at the track um, yeah. Is there a standardized garage size, or do you need to measure all the garages all over the world to make sure you have the appropriate setup? Good question. You actually have to measure every single garage. And not only oh. that, the height of it. So the old Brazilian garages are yeah. very low. Um, Cota and also... New well, Silverstone. Yeah. Cota is one of the smallest garages on the... Um, on the circuit. Really? Yeah. Really? Huh. That's because yeah. Kevin wanted 34. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have Silverstone, which is pretty big. And then, of course, Monaco, you have an upstairs. Right. So there's a diff different logistics yeah. challenge to each race, um, which, which is quite interesting. And also the pit walls as well. Not every pit wall is the same. So you have spa. If you're down the other end, you have to lift it 10. The, right. The perch is 10 foot off the ground. Um, <coughs> but you have your trucks there. Um, so, yeah, it, every circuit is different. Wow. All that coordination just to take it's the nuts, show on the it? road. It really is nuts. You Absolutely. kind of build up a database. So what they'll do is they'll take measurements of the garage. 
um, and then you know once you're established so mm. you know for Andretti when they come in they'll have to go through all of these issues right you know so it's not just yeah I got my license right. then then you start with all the problems right. and the, the job oh. list you have to tick off from that point I read something somewhere about how Qatar two weeks ago was one of the most problematic races on the calendar because of the customs um, protocols and procedures and so forth. And I know I can remember the day when you needed a a, um, a manifest of every nut and bolt and roll of scotch tape and everything else you brought in and what you took out. Yeah pretty much come back in Europe you know when the UK left Europe you have to do that now so you right. produce a carne yes. um, uh-huh. of every oh. nut and bolt and scotch tape that has oh. to go across the border I don't know if anyone's checked it yet but um, you have to do it so mm-hmm. it's probably co- uh, quite a lot of cut and paste and then of course it's temporary import so everything here is temporary imported now with huge uh, events like this the government help on fast forwarding um, all the freight in because the freight comes in uh, that came from Qatar and six jumbos so most teams have 30 30 35 tons and then you have Ferrari and Mercedes and Red Bull they're up in the 40 50 60 ton range is that still done by that Australian company that yeah. same company that's been doing it for decades yeah well I think now DHL rent the right. own the, the the planes but there is it, once it's de deloaded from the plane and then it's trucked from the airport okay, to, right. to here. It's the Australian company, yeah. Gibson, I think it's called. Gibson. Yeah, Gibson. Yeah, That's exactly right. I, I sat down and did an interview with that By guy. By the way, about they don't just do Formula ago. One. They do V8s. They do uh, MotoGP. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, those are the folks you want. The ones who do it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I've done a feature on them, and uh, they are absolutely meticulous. And of course, it's two hours uh, for the motorcycles from Melbourne uh, compared to Albert Park. Hey, Jonathan. There's maybe people joining us just now and may have missed. We did quite a bit of recap earlier, but. Um, what are your favorite stories of the race? Well, first hope for McLaren uh, and the brilliant start that Lando made um, because it was really interesting. He was asked earlier today, had he watched the sprint race and was he ready to get his elbows out? And he said, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I watched it very closely last night. I, I enjoyed it. And and you could tell that as soon as the start of the race happened, he felt like he had it. Um, and, you know, as he was building that lead, it just it, it, the, the confidence began to grow and grow. This could be his day. It was his 100th grand. He'd be playing down the fact that McLaren have gone from strength to strength in the last few races. And I do think that they're, they're going to be, um, you know, they're going to be a factor in these last four. And it's just a great turnaround story. Uh, I still, I think, if, if, I think we're going to get to the end of the season and go, how did McLaren turn around what was, in their words, a car that wasn't ever going to well, be Well, it was a catastrophe of a season at the beginning. I mean, and I wrote down in my notes, I think we were at about lap 20. Yeah. And I said, can Lando win this? Yeah. You know? Well, and, and at the beginning of the season, and we all know this, the, the, you know, the, the journalists will ask the questions and, and, you know, they'll play down, they'll kind of all kind of play games with each other about how much competitiveness they've had, but the times don't lie at the, at the tests in Bahrain, and uh, they just weren't anywhere. Mm. Uh, and, of course, the Lewis Hamilton story, him chasing down Max at the end. That was amazing. Well, like I said, what, what impressed me about that race uh, was that we had upwards of six different stories all happening and unfolding and all changing at the same time, which made it so exciting. Did Lewis go to second? Did he overtake Perez with the points he scored this week? Ah, oh, that's a question. good question. Let's see if I have internet. <laughs> <laughs> it was 28 points in front, I think, Perez. 
So uh, no. no. I think it was 23, 23 after the sprint. It? So I, yeah. doubt, I doubt it because Perez scored points as well, remember. Um, but it's a lot closer. 18 points for Lewis. And... Um, yeah, it's, it's 19 points right now. now I'm assuming... Unless it's not... No, I don't yeah. think that's been updated. That's not been updated. No, You're right. Updated. No. You're right. Yeah, they don't update it until everything's officially in because somebody could get a penalty obviously so mm-hmm. yep. well yeah but you're right it's worth thinking about and worth looking at tonight as w- as well as looking at the uh, points for the constructors because there are some good battles to go in the constructors right now yeah take a look at the constructors too because yeah i don't think either one's been updated but um yeah 358 for mercedes 327 for ferrari that's the that's the one we're really watching because that's the closest one. And then it's down to 239 in McLaren, 232. That's just as clo- actually closer. Yeah, so seven points between uh, McLaren and Aston Martin. And, of course, not back down to 96 points for Alpine. But, um, but yeah, amazing uh, weekend, really. I mean, am I, one of my favorite things, as I've said it a couple times already, but the fact that we had the girls' F1 Academy, the young women, the um, the historics and yep, seeing the great old Formula One cars yep. of the past. Yep. Yeah, that, that was really it was kind of cool watching them go into the fog this morning, wasn't it? I was like, <laughs> yeah. are they sure they want to drive in this fog? And then, of course, we had the Porsche Deluxe Carrera Cup. That was really cool to watch that. That that was amazing to me watching those cars. How many cars did we see with flying all four wheels off the ground, bouncing over curbs, ramming into each other? Dogs and cats living together. And also a local story. Great. Uh, yeah, Riley well, Dickinson. on the undercard, but uh, great to see Riley Dickinson doing so well. Double win. Double win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That kid is something. Uh, all right, well, let's get a squeeze a quick break in, and uh, we'll watch for some news from Chris, and we'll be back after these messages.
CrowdStrike presents Driven in 60. As the official cybersecurity partner of the Mercedes-AMG Petronas Formula One team, CrowdStrike protects against cyber threats so the team can focus on what matters, their next win. The revolutionary cloud-native unified CrowdStrike Falcon platform harnesses the speed and power of the cloud to protect and defend organizations of all sizes against increasingly complex threats, stopping breaches before they happen. Because on and off the track, the stakes couldn't be higher. A split second can make the difference between victory and defeat. When every second counts, protection shouldn't slow you down. It should fuel your momentum. CrowdStrike, protection at every turn. To learn more and to try CrowdStrike Falcon free today, visit CrowdStrike.com XM. Hello to everyone. This is Gunter Steiner. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back. We're still live at Circuit of the Americas, watching the huge crowds out in front of the main grandstands on the front straightaway. And we've got some helicopters going around. This is John Massengill, Jordan, Bob Marsha, Jonathan Green, and Dave O'Neill. And Chris Medlin's out getting us some interviews in the midst of that crowd. And we got to see Max Verstappen have a battle today. It was nice, wasn't it, Bob? Yeah, it definitely was. He was, uh, he was pressed. And you could tell it in his voice. And, uh, and the way he ran his race. But, you know, when it mattered, he was, uh, you know, his usual brilliant self. Uh, he knew how to keep the charging Lewis Hamilton behind him. He dealt with Lando Norris before that. Had to work his way up from sixth on the grid. Took him longer than normal. I mean, it was halfway, halfway. through the race before he 28 laps, made yeah. it to the point. Um, but uh, in the end, he got it done and, you know, was using his head. He sounded frantic on the radio when he was complaining about the brakes being so bad. Um, and then the team trying to talk to him when he was trying to deal with the brakes being so bad. Uh, but, you know, he managed to, to pull himself together and focus and do what he needed to do, including some clever moves with DRS, not using it one time and then using it the next lap um, to, to come through. I mean, the final margin doesn't tell you much about how close that really was. I mean, it's 2.2 seconds, I think, margin of victory. Yep. But at one point, it was like 1.2 seconds. and uh, For a very brief moment, yeah. yeah. Certainly Chris Medlin made it sound as though he was going to get him. Uh, I'm not sure I believed it at the time, but it sure did make it exciting. Well, had that played out slightly different, and Hamilton gotten that DRS from Sonoda instead yep. of Max, yep. that, I mean, that could have easily yeah. brought it close to a, to a battle like that. Yeah. Hey, uh, Dave O'Neill, I want to ask you about George Russell and Lewis Hamilton, the Mercedes drivers. You know, last year, if I'm not mistaken, George Russell outscored Lewis Hamilton. But this year, Lewis looks like his old self, especially today. And he's at 219 points. And George Russell's down several places. He's, you know, third in the championship. George Russell's down in eighth at 139 points, a massive difference. And we have seen... Uh, you know, that, that Lewis Hamilton, to me, clearly still has, I don't know if he's dropped off his skills at all. His, and, and George Russell doesn't look to be, I mean, at one point, George Russell, to me, was like the best up-and-comer. But, um, but this, was, this was a shining example of how Lewis has still got it, for sure. I agree. Yeah. Um, and, and he is one of the few athletes in the world. You know, he was joking about having a text from Michael Jordan. And I, and I do think he takes his 
cues from some of the greats. He sees himself and has managed to achieve to become, in his own sport, the greatest. Uh, and maintaining that as Jordan, one of his heroes, or Brady, or whoever you want to be, it, it, that's the, it's a harder game at plus 40 uh, stroke late 30s to maintain it. It's one thing at 22, you, you dive in, you dive out, and you're fresh as a daisy the next day. It's, it's what you're doing in your later ages, and he's doing it. Mm. Dave, I was going to ask you too, uh, what do you think? What do you th what do you think about both of those scenarios? You know, Hamilton still's got it, and and the fact that Russell's so far off from where he was last year. Yeah, I was, I was actually thinking that before you you uh, you came up with the question, and um, I don't think Lewis has ever stopped trying. You know, he, there's scenarios where it's not worth it. I know it kind of felt like it, didn't know, it? Yeah. Not that he'd, he'd give up. It's just like you know, when you're when you're that far down, you know, he's done what he can. You know, and, and if he pushed any harder, would he get another point? Probably not. But he's definitely stood up to it this year. We can see, you know, with the points we're at. Um, and he can push. He can, it, not only that, he can look after the tyres. And what we've seen from this weekend is he was a master at looking after the tyres. And the, and the gap was very close, you know, the... Uh, Verstappen was lucky with the traffic that came up in front of him. Like yeah. Chris said, it was down to 1.2. Um, that would have put very, very close, you know, to the DRS window, and then it would have been a different story. You know, yeah. again, the same old scenario, one more lap needed. I think two things really stand out to me for Lewis's sort of longevity was COVID, uh, the loss of the 21 championship where he went off social media for six months. He didn't speak to anybody, literally, uh, or, you know, in terms of radio silence. And then Alonso uh, and his choice to carry on and go to Aston Martin, make a huge decision. And I think all of those things may have had, I may be wrong, but uh, had a factor on how Hamilton viewed carrying on yeah i mean he's definitely got his eyes open as he looks around at his realm does uh lewis and i think fernando alonso as uh, jonathan said is a big inspiration i mean lewis told a crowd in a live interview this weekend he might be around for another five years yeah he did after seeing him this year yeah i, I could see he's that. what 38 now five mm -hmm. years from now he'd be right around fernando's age yep. um but aside from lewis I mean, Lewis is a known quantity. We know what he can do. We know what he's done. He's, a, you know, one of those just, you know, generational talents. Maybe the best of all time. Who can say? Could have been ten times world champion. Right. Yeah. Focusing on George Russell, maybe we were all a little um, persuaded when he hopped in for Lewis, when Lewis had COVID in Bahrain that time, and... Russell damn near won the race and yeah, should did. have won on it. the wrong tires. Team, well, the team had a lousy pit stop, and it took him out of the lead, and he wound up not, you know, not winning that race. Um, so I think everybody maybe thought maybe the expectations just got too high for what Russell could do. Since then, he's been competitive with Lewis on occasion, uh, beaten him on occasion, um, but he's always been deferential to Lewis. And uh, a weekend like this, I think, shows maybe more of, of who George Russell really is. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's a young guy with a lot of talent, but a lot to learn. Yeah, I think. On, yeah, go ahead. Uh, we got an interview from Chris Medlin. He has caught up with our young American, Logan Sargent. So let's hear from Logan right now. Fighting through the crowds. and It's going to be a, a right fight down the uh, whole paddock here, Logan. But it's like the race. <laughs> well, how was it? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, it was a battle from 
start to finish. Uh, but what a race, honestly. Great turnaround from yesterday. I think that's the most important. It hasn't been an easy weekend, but um, a really good Sunday is, is, a, is a positive momentum boost. And, um, yeah, I, I gave it everything, every single lap, and um, had some great battles along the way. I mean, uh, you're classified 1.2 seconds behind your teammate, Alex. There's a chance he gets a penalty that moves you ahead of that. As it stands, Lance Stroll's actually under investigation as well, but I don't think you'll get a penalty that'll move you into 10th. But just how pleased are you to be able to show that level of performance over a full race distance compared to your teammate when, let's be honest, the pressure's been on recently? The pressure is on. And as I said, it hasn't been an easy weekend. There's no hiding that. I think the positive is that the previous three, four rounds, the quality pace has been good. Um, here, it hasn't been as easy with you know the balance of the car on Friday and Saturday, but we turned it around. We worked hard. We uh, showed good race pace. So we'll, uh, we'll we'll find that quality performance in Mexico, and uh, we'll try and keep this up. But how proud are you to perform like this at this race? Because I know Miami is your home race, but the size of the crowd here and the interest and the people that are here, it's like th- th- you're under the microscope, aren't you? Well, in the end of the day, this is the United States Grand Prix. And, um, and um, yeah, from... From a home, you know, race perspective, this one's special. Um, that it, that entire, you know, run up to turn one is is something you don't experience at most races. And um, to even have those battles, you know, have those battles into turn one um, in front of the home crowd is, is special. So um, I did my best. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it was noticed and um, yeah, needed. Gonna let yourself enjoy it tonight, or is it straight on to Mexico? I'm going home. Uh, I'm going home to Florida, and that's gonna be. Nice to see my dog, see my family. Shouldn't have put my dog first, but... <laughs> I do the same. Uh, yeah, so that's going to be nice. Uh, get two days on the water in, in Florida. Back to, you know, what, what I love. Um, one of my favorite things to do in life. Best way for me to recharge and uh, come back firing. Oh, well done today. Thank you. I, wow. I tweeted that. I said, he needed this. Gosh. And Actually, I just tweeted it when he passed uh, Kevin Magnuson. But, man, did he sound like oh. the, the shoulders, the weight off of his shoulders? I know this is not a breakthrough. If he had finished ahead of Albon, that would have been a much bigger deal. But the fact that he finished, what, 1.2 seconds behind him, mm. the way he sounded, it was really amazing. Yeah, four key words there for me. Positive momentum, and I hope it was noticed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Big, big weekend for him. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> Damn lawyers. So no, Bob counting good. the words. <laughs> no, no, no question about it. It was a big weekend for him. Um, and, and a good idea to go home. Yeah. Yeah. See and dog. I think... Uh, See his dog. Thinking of his dog was an absolute Freudian slip. <laughs> you know, he uh, if he does this four more times this year, I, I still don't know if that's enough. But, Dave, I saw you listening. I was actually watching you closely because I, I don't know if you're – you probably do this, but there's so much you can read into these drivers, you know, watching them and listening to them. Do you think that he could have made a a little bit of a leap? Because, you know, if you're stressed out and worried, you can't do whatever no. your job is. No. You can't do it well. No, you can't. And I, you I think, think he's turned, I think he's turned the corner. You know, there's the there's – the, when he was speaking, you know, we've heard him in lots of interviews before, and he was crushed in them. Mm. You know, yeah. 
Um, right. He was looking for words. He was looking, you know, he wasn't concentrating. And again, you know, interview is probably the worst thing you have to do when, you, when you've right. got some bad news to come out with. But mm -hmm. he fought that interview, you know. He fought it. He gave himself some praise. And, um, you know, I, I did speak to one of his engineers um, and asked, you know, is it is it over? You know, has he got a chance? And they said that, uh, you know, James has, has definitely got a wide, wide love for him, you know. You can, we, t you can hear that when yeah. we talk to James, yeah. He's, he's definitely, uh, he's positive about him. And, um, you know, the car hasn't been brilliant either, you know. So, I mean, Album's taken advantage of situations. He's also, you know, had a good bit of luck as well in some of the, some of the races he's been in that he has results in. And unfortunately, you know, Logan hasn't put, him, put himself there, which typically comes from qualifying. So, yeah. I'm going to correct myself on what I said yesterday about how, who are you going to replace him with? I woke up this morning, I was on the way here, and I thought, say, we missed somebody, didn't we? Stoffel van Dorn. Ah, yeah. I mean, you know, not that, but if, if it doesn't work out for Sargent, there is a Mercedes driver capable of stepping into that seat and, and, and being a good racing driver that isn't racing at the moment. He was in and out of a few motorhomes this weekend. <laughs> he certainly was, and yeah. he was, you know, he was on the headphones again. He's here. and um, I don't know. You've been close quarters with him probably more than anybody else. Yeah, and he has a contract with, um, with Formula E with uh, Roger Penske's son's team, Jay Penske's uh, squad. But, I mean, you know, it, it, Formula One is what it is. I'm sure whatever his contract is, it allows him to, to break away if he gets a Formula One seat. Um, yeah, and he's a, 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 an impressive guy. He's not a he's not a Verstappen. He's not no. a a Hamilton. Yeah, he won his Formula E championship. I think I'm correct in saying without winning a race. He may have won one. Wow! But you know he was consistent, and you know he was with the original Mercedes uh, EQ team in Formula E and, and kept hammering out the results and uh, wound up as a world champion. All right, well, let's go ahead and get a break in. And when we come back, we are going to hear from Zach Brown, and we're also going to hear from the fastest lap point winner yeah. after this.
CrowdStrike presents Driven in 60. As the official cybersecurity partner of the Mercedes-AMG Petronas Formula One team, CrowdStrike protects against cyber threats so the team can focus on what matters, their next win. The revolutionary cloud-native unified CrowdStrike Falcon platform harnesses the speed and power of the cloud to protect and defend organizations of all sizes against increasingly complex threats, stopping breaches before they happen. Because on and off the track, the stakes couldn't be higher. A split second can make the difference between victory and defeat. When every second counts, protection shouldn't slow you down. It should fuel your momentum. CrowdStrike, protection at every turn. To learn more and to try CrowdStrike Falcon free today, visit CrowdStrike.com XM. Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back to Circuit of the Americas in my hometown of Austin, Texas. We are basking in the glow of a fantastic United States Grand Prix here at COTA. Another one. You know, guys, COTA, I, I saw some comments from Bobby Epstein this weekend. I think they were in the local newspaper. Um, Kevin Lytle from the Statesman, I think, had this one. And he was talking about how that, that we needed Miami and Vegas to show what we had here in Austin. <laughs> Isn't that a good? I, it's great, Isn't and that's clever, too. That's yeah. A, that's, a, that's a good, it's, good way of putting it's, it. It's a, uh, yeah, it's almost a backhanded it's compliment a backhanded to yourself. compliment to <laughs> yeah. yourself, yeah. yeah. But, but he's right, I, and I agree with him. This is the one, this is the festival, this is the music, this is the atmosphere, uh, and frankly, it, it's all to do with the viewing. You couldn't see what we could see here at Miami. Uh, and Vegas? <laughs> Don't ask me where you're going to look in Vegas. I wouldn't, unless I'm looking at a monitor. I ain't, gonna, I ain't going outside, and I don't mean that you flippantly. It'll probably be a great race televisually, but when you think about crowd and enjoying it, that's why the crowds come to Silverstone, and Silverstone doesn't have anywhere near the purchase that this has. Um, so creating a festival is the key. And Silverstone, I remember Bobby and his team went many times to Silverstone mm -hmm. before 2012 and learned a lot. They they relied on the management at Silverstone. Silverstone came here to have a look and, and see what they were doing. But the topology, uh, the topological nature of this circuit helps the viewing. It's yeah, the best place yeah, to watch. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That turned one. and topologically. I, I heard know. both of those wow. too, Bob. I like that. It's getting close to 6 o'clock. I can't keep it up. No, kudos, <laughs> my man. That's, no, I that's like awesome. Them. I was thinking televisually. I've never heard that, but I think it sounds like a word. So well, we're going to give it to you. It's yep. all about communications. Okay. We know what he meant. All right. We're going to move on because we've got an interview that Chris Medlin just did with uh, the man at McLaren, Zach Brown. Zach Brown, we spoke on the grid about can you win this? And you were like, well, it'll be tough to beat Max, but maybe. And then you see that start from Lando straight into the lead and disappearing into the distance. And did you start to believe even more then? Mm, I thought it was going to be pretty, uh, pretty, pretty tough. I mean, Lando drove great. Oscar drove great. Unfortunately, he had uh, damage from uh, when Alpine went into the, the side of him. Uh, otherwise, I think we would have had two cars uh, strong in the points. But uh, great to see Lando lead, drove great team was uh, as always great with the pit stops so we're getting closer well another podium as well you can't stop getting those I mean you're gonna have to expand the trophy cabinet at the MTC but how do you bridge that final gap is it gonna need the winter or do you think you can maybe with this performance take advantage of a chance this year uh, I think we're all pretty much racing the balance of the year with what we've got so uh, I think realistically short of someone uh, slipping on a banana peel uh, it's gonna be pretty hard to beat Max in a, in a straight up fight but we're gonna Give it a go. We got four more chances at it, but uh, I think realistically it's going to take a winner of some uh, more development to uh, close the gap. Now, when we spoke in Bahrain during testing, you said 
okay, we don't look in good shape, but we want to end the year with the fourth fastest car. We probably won't be able to get to fourth by that point, but we can have the fourth fastest car. We stand here now, you're into fourth. You've got the second or third fastest car on the grid. Can you believe the turnaround your team has produced this year? No, the team's just done an unbelievable job. All the men and women have worked so hard at, at McLaren, so proud of them. Uh, to see this turnaround is amazing. I've never seen anything uh, like it before, so it certainly gives us a lot of confidence that uh, everyone back at the factory and here at the track uh, know what they're doing, and uh, they're pretty excited about next year. So uh, hopefully we'll finish strong with another four and uh, start again. And just finally, question I've got to ask, why does Pato never get to drive in Mexico? <laughs> That's a good question. He asks us that one all the time. Uh, obviously, you, you uh, use your free practice ones when you think it strategically makes the most sense. So as much uh, fun as it would be to have uh, Pato going around in Mexico, it makes more sense for us to do it in Abu Dhabi. And also, he's got the young driver test uh, afterwards. Okay. Well, thanks for that. I'm well done today. Thank you. Good question. Yeah. <laughs> we had Pato on the Wheel to Wheel show. He is such an interesting... Oh, he's, he's great. And he's good value, isn't he? Well, he's good value because he does not have the filter. He's no. just... And, you know, when you reach that level of confidence, you you just... That filter goes away and you can just say whatever you want. Yeah. So. He's, he's definitely unfettered uh, and confident unfettered. as all hell. Yeah. Well, we'll do it again. <laughs> well, Zach Brown referred to the banana peel... Mm. Uh, the banana peel today was almost our next guest because the, uh, the fastest lap winner of the race was Yuki Sonoda. Let's hear from him. Yuki, just speaking there to the head of Ferrari, Trento, who uh, hand out bottles of uh, very nice wine. Were you getting one for that uh, amazing performance at the end there? Yeah, I mean, hopefully one day uh, I would love definitely to, you know, drink that uh, Ferrari champagne right after the race. Uh, but yeah, it's a uh, he, he's a good friend, and um, yeah, uh, we actually I actually went uh, for tour for his uh, for the factory, and it was pretty pretty amazing uh, what I saw there. Uh, it's hard to describe it, but yeah, one of the pretty cool experience I I did uh, in the second half. Well, that final lap though today must have been a pretty cool experience as well. Bolting on the soft tires late on, which is a bit of a gamble, and then going and getting the fastest lap. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, first of all, I when I when I got called that uh, you have to box, I I got I got heart attack because it's I thought it's the first engine issue or whatever, but uh, yeah, they said we go for fastest lap. You know, it was not easy. I had an extra pressure on top of it, and it's first time first time experience that we're going for fastest lap in the end. Um, but yeah, I had a bit of thrilling, but at the same time, I enjoyed that so much that lap with the fresh tire. Well, that doubled your points return as well. Yeah, two points finishing 10th. Just how pleased are you with your performance this weekend? And uh, I guess after a tougher day yesterday, really nailing it today. Yeah, it's, uh, it was not easy also today for today. And yesterday we, we didn't able to maximize our package and the performance. So it was frustration day. But at the same time, we we able to nail the points uh, and extra points on from the fastest lap. Uh, we're definitely pleased about it. And uh, well done to the team. Um, without the airport, we couldn't be... Disposition, so yeah, uh, really happy with it. Well done, congratulations. Great job today by Yuki Sinodi. And there's been a lot of focus on the other side of the garage, but I have a question for you. I looked at, I was smiling just listening to him, and I noticed you were too just grinning. And I'm like, what is it about him that we're that just is just kind of 
appealing or something. Well, what was going on in my mind is that I've known a lot of Japanese drivers, and I, I you know, I lived in Asia for a long time, and I love the culture. Um, I've been a big fan of Sato, and and why I smiled was he, he's have he's got the makings, and I know his personality. He came to Toyota and, and took on Lawson head to head. Toyota Racing Series. Yeah, yeah. and um, we got to know him, and you do get to know drivers over six weeks. He's a great fun guy to be with. We could tell then that he was rough around the edges, and that he needed work. His his fit wasn't there even at Formula 3 level um, and he was quick um, but today I think just proved what what you can do with a real strong head because you know he's had Ricardo coming into the team he dispensed with DeFries no problem um, then Lawson came in and they're mates they, they shared an apartment in uh, and like I said since that, since that time shared an apartment coming into Milton Keynes that he wasn't showing good signs at Milton Keynes either getting, getting late night food and doing all the wrong things that the Brits do because he hated it they hated the food they got him into Italy and he's just turning around and I, I hope for him that he He'll be the next Sato because he's got that affability that few Japanese on the world stage are able to pull off. Yeah, and and it's a little bit ironic to think that Sunoda wound up with the bonus point for fast lap because he was in the top ten. Actually, his teammate Daniel Ricciardo bolted on the softs at the end and. Uh, had a quicker lap, but he wasn't in the top ten, and by rule, that means you don't get the point. Yeah, but it's good news for Alpha Tori. Oh, absolutely. Them, actually. absolutely. Yeah. Good confidence yeah. builder for both of them. I honestly thought we would see more of that, that more teams would would grab for the uh, for the red tire if they had one. Yeah, good point. Because several teams had kind of run themselves out of the softest compound. But, you know, we started the season off saying who's the worst team in Formula 1, and the truth is AlphaTauri uh, now, and it probably will play out that way. But here they are getting the fastest lap. Now, with all due respect, Marussia wouldn't have done that. Caterham wouldn't have done that. HRT wouldn't have done that mm -hmm. if the rules were the same um, because they just weren't that close. Yeah. That's the difference between modern Formula 1 and just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to do a quick message to our uh, producer because our chat just went down. Casey, um, you gave me a message. Do we have another? Ah, we have a couple of interviews. Uh, let's see how much time we got. Let's, uh, let's hear from Christian Horner because Chris Medlin just caught up with him. I'm just photobombing Christian Horner here in the paddock. But Christian, we spoke yesterday and you said Lando Norris you thought would be your biggest yeah. threat today. I thought the same watching the first stint. Yeah. But were you surprised at how close that got with Lewis Hamilton? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think strategically they, they, they got themselves uh, sort of halfway between a uh, one-stop and a two-stop. And, um, uh, you know, strategically we were very sharp today, and I think we got it right. And, um, uh, you know, Max managed the issues that he had and, and drove another very, very strong race to get his 50th victory of the year, uh, 50th victory of, the, of his career. So uh, a remarkable, remarkable performance. I mean, he has been that strong. It could have been 50 in a year, yeah. but... Um, it won't be long before Stefano puts 50 races in a year at this rate. So. Yeah, we're getting ready for that. Triple header, here we come. But hopefully you get to celebrate uh, this latest victory tonight. How big were the issues, though, that he was managing? Because we heard a lot on radio about the brakes. Yeah, they were, they were big enough that they were causing him an issue. So, um, so uh, yeah, I think he did a good job. He kept his head and he managed, managed the situation really well. And positive signs from Checo this weekend? Yeah, definitely a good recovery from Checo. And uh, I think that would give him a lot of... Lot of um, uh, confidence going into his home Grand Prix. So, uh, you know, a very strong race by him. How tough is that going to be for him, though, that week? I mean, this must be huge for you guys. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a massive three weeks for us. And, uh, you know, just one by one for us to get another another victory. You know, the, it's remarkable that this season we've only lost one race. And here we are 
you know, at the back end of October. It's been the most amazing team performance. Just finally, why the jeans for everyone today? So we're wearing jeans in honor of Dietrich, who passed away sadly 12 months ago. And, uh, uh, you know, he was the reason that we're all here. Um, he, uh, we only ever saw him in a pair of jeans. So it's just tipping our hat to him to, um, to you know, to honor him 12 months after his passing. And uh, you know, he was the founder and inspiration behind the team. Well, can next time can we make sure pools aren't so tight? Yes, they are a little uh, dodgy, those ones. Well done, thank you. <laughs> Great interview. <laughs> yeah. God, they get on it, well, those two. Has it been a year since Dietrich Mateschitz, yeah, yeah. the owner of Red Bull, passed away? Yeah, yeah, that's Very crazy. I had a question for Dave. Um, you know, I just went on about how it's a great perch place for the fans and it, the drivers love the circuit, circuit. But also, just thinking about today, when we go to a circuit, we kind of go, oh, it's definitely a two-stop or you can possibly do that. But here, you can play out strategies while the race is on. We saw it today, and I think that's another factor here that makes mm. this place such a great place to go racing. But you can change on the fly, and you heard Horner say it there. You know, like, you know, well, we thought we might do this, we might do that, but we didn't know the answer halfway through the race as to what was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, they all have plans. You know, they run hundreds of thousands of simulations um, every time they get another bit of data, you know, so it starts off from the 15 laps in FP1 that they did. Uh, <laughs> so they start putting all the numbers in the computer and running the simulations, and then once they run another set of tyres, they have another load of data to, to put in and try and extra extrapolate out and find out what they're going to do. But I think the key to all of this is the temperature. So it's the temperature and the bumps. You know, we talk about the bumps, and it says it's kind of much of a nothing really but it is it's such a big one and i think that's what max was was struggling with you know christian said he was managing his issues um and i can only imagine that it was the the bump in and um stopping the front tires locking but going back to the strategy one um we saw the temperature change mm. um and that of course makes a difference in the length of the stint you can do with the tire you've chosen to either start with or go go into the second um, second period of the racing and then that's when you can change the strategy that's when we hear them talking about should we go to plan b or should we go to plan c and you know those are the those are the areas you have to cover uh, so with all that data and that's just crazy to think about all the data they get right now we only go out to the thousandth of a second. So are we going to go to a ten thousandth of a second? Are we going to start needing that because of all these? But uh, hey, we got to squeeze a break in. But when we come back, we have uh, Ferrari boss Frederick Vasseur. We'll be back right after these messages.
on, get a little out there into the big-hearted heart of Nevada. Nevada is yours to explore with 10 iconic road trips full of uncommon curiosities and delightful contradictions. Engines roaring, hearts, and mountain bluebirds soaring. Nevada is everything but boring. It's full of wide open wonder. In fact, there are 60 million acres of public space to explore and adventure. This is the place to discover something strange, to feel intrigued and to feel alive and to leave better for it. Nevada's heart is historic and here and now, down to earth and out of this world, neon lit and starlit too. Nevada is a place where you can be you or explore a new side of you and do the things you never thought you'd do. Find unexplained art. Have a Picon punch to fill your heart. Go on, get a little out there. Start planning your trip at TravelNevada.com. The Speed City F1 post-race show on Sirius XM is brought to you by CrowdStrike. Stop today's most sophisticated cyber attacks at the office, the racetrack, and everywhere in between. Learn more at CrowdStrike.com XM. Hello, I'm Jenny Gow from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. You know, Chris Mendel has been out on the grid getting all these interviews, and he's joined us in the booth. And, and one of the common themes is everybody says, I want to thank everybody back at the factory. Well, I want to take the chance to do that now. I want to, take, I want to thank all the, the people back at the Speed City factory. <laughs> That's Casey. Yep. <laughs> oh, so, no! That, oh, man! <laughs> assemble the entire employee That's right. force. <laughs> so, yes. Have you, you gave everybody a bonus? <laughs> That's right. The entire factory is getting a bonus right now. Oh, that's nice. Uh, hey, Chris, uh, good job out there, buddy. Thank you very much. Um, oh, is that, is that mic working? Oh, darn it. That, is, that mic is not working. Take a headset. All right, we're going to do a headset swap. Good Once job, buddy. Once again, I've stolen Dave O'Neill's headset. Poor guy's been trying to speak all weekend, and I just come in and be like, give me that. Uh, yeah, yeah, teamwork indeed. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's been warm out there running around, I can tell you that. Uh, yeah. It's still very busy. What was cool was to see how many people have stayed post-race. Yeah. In terms of, uh, I don't know if we played it out, but I just managed to grab um, Anthony Joshua for a little bit. And, yeah, he was still here late, hanging around, seeing people, doing photos, talking to team members at Alpine. So, really, really cool to um, just see how engaged people are. And, yeah, outside. Uh, well, let Outside the window, I guess they're clearing the track, aren't they? After tens of thousands flooded it under the podium. Yeah, well, let's yeah. let's play Anthony Joshua now. Let's hear it, Casey. Okay, Anthony Joshua here. He's just got a circuit hat, which looks yeah. very fetching, and it's Alpine colours, so you can get away with that one. But how was your experience here with Alpine? Alpine was ten out of ten. Really good experience. Um, completely happy. I'll definitely come back if I could. <laughs> one sec. Just David Coulthard just speaking to Anthony Joshua there. Just grabbed him on the on the other side of the uh, of the David Coulthard chat, which is it's all good. A uh, very popular man here, AJ. Uh, is this your first time in the paddock? You've been here before, haven't you? Yeah. Well, yeah, on a race day, 100%. Yeah, I've obviously had a behind the scenes experience, but on race day, it's been phenomenal. And you're involved with Alpine now, part of the investment group. I mean, what brought you there? And I mean, I guess today, how happy are you with that investment? Thank well, you so no, God bless. Look, Alpine's a great opportunity. They are bringing me into an environment that I've not been exposed to. Not just on a monetary basis. I'm looking at it from a point of view, the access I can gain, the people I'm meeting, um, the experiences, the, the, the team that are behind the drivers. It's a massive organization, you know? So I'm tapping into a different market and industry. Obviously, we're gonna help promote and 
brand awareness, but also what I can gain from it is all those things I said, is working with the team behind the scenes, the charitable side, my son and my little nephews love F1. So much more to it than just like put some money in and sit back on my home and twiddle my thumbs and wait until it goes up or down. It's, it's more than that. More well, sentimental than it. Well, plus you've got your own career to worry about as well, but in and around training, you could be able to come to more races in future? Yes, that's the plan, 100%. I would love to. If I could, I would be the plan, yeah. Thank you for your time. Cheers. Thank you, brother. Fascinating interview. That was. That well, was. And no respect. I used to do the boxing round. I used to be around boxers, and they, they don't think on those terms, and he does. Very right. interesting. we got to go to the next interview, guys, because uh, if, you st if you're still with us right now, you get a treat. Don't explain. Because, go. Because we got Fred Vasseur. We have indeed. Keeping and, Fred uh, Vasseur busy, as always, on a Sunday evening. And Fred, fourth and sixth today. I mean, if we just look at that as a return, are you satisfied with that? Was that kind of about what you could get from the two cars? No, no, it's a mixed feeling. I think on the Carlos side, uh, we did a pretty good job. Carlos did a good job. Uh, we applied the strategy and it went uh, pretty well that we finished uh, three seconds behind Norris, not uh, so far away of uh, Lewis. And uh, I think on this side was okay that uh, on the uh, child side it's not the case that uh, we didn't take the right decision about the strategy and uh, and we lose a couple of points like this and position but it's a shame it's a mistake we have to understand why the we didn't have a clear picture about the strategy before the race and why we were hesitating on the pit wall i think we are not probably the only one but it was not so clear for us and we made um, clearly a mistake yeah, I was going to say, some other teams looked like they were trying to make a one-stop work and then jumped quite early away from that. So, uh, at which point did you realise, actually, we've gone too yeah, far? But if, you, if you start with one and then you switch to two, it's too late because that, uh, you are managing at the beginning of the race and you are, you are losing time. And so. But uh, it probably will happen that we, we had the two options and we took the wrong decision. Where do you think Charles could have finished then with the two-stop strategy kind of that most others went for? Not have a crystal ball, but he was in front of Carlos that we could imagine to do something similar. Now to know if we are able to fight with Norris, it's another story. But uh, I don't want to make this kind of extrapolation to see uh, what's happened if, 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 that it's, uh, it's behind us. Now we have to understand why we made the mistake, not uh, what's happened if. Well, I think, though, overall, you just about outscore Mercedes, or at least match their score with fourth and sixth versus second and seventh. Uh, trying to do very quick maths here. Uh, but uh, it's more consistency, isn't it, from the team? We haven't had a weekend for a long time where we've had to come and say, oh, you, you were nowhere near the podium places. You've been consistently fighting for those spots, haven't you now? Yeah, I think that uh, one lap pace is OK, and it was OK the last uh, six or seven races now that... Uh, perhaps a bit more difficult in Qatar, but the conditions were extreme. Uh, but we were okay in uh, Monza, in Singapore, even in uh, Suzuka, we are not far away. This weekend we were in Pole. I think on, lap, on one lap it's okay. On the long stint, sometimes we are struggling more. But I think today it's not a matter of race pace. The race pace was okay. If you compare the race pace of Carlos, quality race, I think it's uh, equal. It's more that we made a mistake on charts. Well, I'll let you go and do the debrief, but thanks for letting us know. Thank you. Wow, he said it twice, Chris. He wanted to reiterate it, didn't he? He was clear yeah. that, no, we got this wrong. And that, I think that's the first time that I've heard him be like, our strategy was wrong. We weren't clear on the pit wall. I don't know why we were dallying about it, to use an English term, I guess. <laughs> uh, and 
we need to work that out. But normally he's kind of been a bit defensive. He's like, it's not that clear when you make decisions. There's normally more to it. And you do hear Vasseur kind of defend the team and not so much today. So I think, uh, yeah, this will be an interesting debrief he was heading off to. Mm, yeah. Uh, speaking of heading off, you're going to go get Max Verstappen, aren't you? I am indeed. So uh, How much time? You got to go? Or? I, uh, not quite yet. He's in the driver's press conference right now, and then I'm going to walk with him back to his uh, Red Bull hospitality unit. To, what you uh, got for him? Uh, I'm going to ask him about winning for the 50th time, if mm -hmm. that was, uh, and if it means anything to him in a sense. But you know, it's putting him right up there with the, the most successful ever. Uh, and, and, and how stressful it actually was, because we were getting excited. And how yeah. many has he won this season, including sprint? 20. 20? It's unbelievable. Well, Christian Horner in that clip thought he'd won 50 in a year, didn't he? So um, <laughs> he was uh, yeah. getting ahead of himself. But, yeah, it, it could have been. He's been so successful. So well, what it feels like in the team, I'm sure. So he's like the, what, Last fourth driver to reach 50 victories? Yep. Hamilton, Schumacher, um, Vettel, and who I think had 51 or something. Yep, and, and then Verstappen. He's just ahead of Prost. There you go. Wow. Well, we got Good just names. a little over a minute left, guys. Any final thoughts from everybody, Jonathan? Yeah, McLaren are black, back. Um, and I, you know, it's as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah every track, isn't it? They're, they're yeah. strong. Uh, also, not not back, but this race is going nowhere, is it? This is going to get bigger no. and bigger and bigger. Yeah, what a weekend clearly. we've had here. Hey, did we ever hear a final number? 432,000, yeah. which is, what, 8,000 shy over the weekend of last year. That's fine. Yeah. They, they said, uh, Bobby Epstein said to me a few weeks ago, we're going for better, not bigger this year. Yeah. yeah. We want to set the foundations to go bigger a year later. Uh, so I think yeah. they did that. Dave O'Neill? Oh, I forgot he didn't have his headset. <laughs> He's got to put his head on. Well, a great weekend, and again, great time spending with you guys. Appreciate that. Mm -hmm. um, Thanks for your input. Brilliant yeah. input, by really? the way. Just something we would never get. Right. Looking forward to uh, Mexico. Yeah, there you go. Definitely. And Mexico is a high-altitude track. Uh, Brazil poses its own challenges. Uh, and then we have Vegas, and I don't even have the words based <laughs> yeah. on what I'm learning about Vegas. Uh, and then it's off to Abu Dhabi, and... Voila. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Of course, you can hear our next show, which will be with Chris Medlin, Wheel to Wheel, Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. Thanks, y'all. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Happy trails.